edging closer towards um, All Boys milestone, celebrating its style. Welcome to Hand of Pod. Friday, we'll be talking about that a little bit later, or at least about that match yesterday. Um, and this is episode 96 of Hand of Pod. Um, I'm Sam Kelly, I'm joined by English Dan. Hello. Uh, Joel. Hello. And by Henry May, the, uh, the what's your official title? President, CEO of not Hurricane even, FC. No, not even that. Um, that's, well, let's say, founder, ex manager, former player. Henry is very similar to the role that the founders of all the Argentine clubs had, which is a, a, just a total terreno, four by four. I mean, he was a founder, president, centre back, right, at one point. Yeah, yeah. And this, this is what all the founders of the clubs mm. all did as well. They all mm. got together and said, oh, let's form a club. And it's like she's done it in. in modern day Borke Newbury. Yeah. We apologise as ever for the, the screaming children. You can shut the window if you like, Sam. Is it open? Yes, excellent. That'll, that'll keep some of the screaming out. And I can throw things, put it down one. We'll see what effect that has. We are recording this week in English Dan's living room rather than his bedroom, which means those noises might just be a bit louder than usual, but we'll battle on as we normally do. Um, there are two big milestones this week. All boys turning 100, we've already mentioned. And the other is, is that when we set up Hand and Pod, we were really only doing it with one aim. And after 96 episodes, we finally got it. We're drinking alcohol that somebody else has paid for this week. Um, thank you very much, Matthias Silverstein. We said thank you when you first made the donation. Cheers. Uh, but we are now drinking a, an officially donated bottle of Fernet and an officially donated bottle of Coca-Cola. Uh, cheers, everybody. Cheers. We, we were chink glasses, but you won't be able to hear it because they're made of plastic. But Matthias, this one's for you. Cheers. Um, and now, on to the, the issues of the day, which of course largely revolve around what happened last weekend in the Argentine Primera. Where do we start, guys? Anybody want to jump in? No, you can, you can start us off, Sam. Tumbleweed blows across the room, and we try to think of, of what to mention. Well, we'll start with the first game then. Union uh, won again. I don't think any of us were expecting that for at least yeah, another they, 10 months. They played well, actually. They did. They put in a decent... 2 0 up against Tigre. Tigre pulled one back, but it wasn't enough. Um, Andres Fransoya got both of them, didn't he? Yeah, I think I have to highlight the fact there was some good refereeing in this one because for the second, <laughs> really nicely taken chip by, by Fransoya, but it was uh, Javi Garcia in goal, yeah. ran out and very, very blatant handball to, to, to prevent the, the opportunity. But the ball fell for Fransoya and the referee allowed play on, didn't send him off and gave the goal. Could a little bit of Siga Yeah, exactly, exactly. It's good to see a bit of common sense being. Yeah. But it's just yeah. incredible. Like, love early as well. Yeah. It's just incredible though. Like, I mean, obviously you don't want to take any way, anything away from Mourinho. Great win for them. And we thought, you know, they were absolutely buried. And now they're still a little bit away. But you can see the, the promedius, the, the average points sort of creeping up towards uh, San Martín and towards Independiente. They now have more than one point per game. <laughs> Which is always a good start, yeah. Um, but... Yeah, I think just something. Yeah, but it just shows again, like what we always say, kind of about Argentine teams. Like, they just struggle for consistency so much. We're talking about 
There's like a link of results. We had um, San Lorenzo, who, who two weeks ago um, hosted River and absolutely battered them. You know, a team that were the league leaders at the time and won 2 0. That same team hosted Tigre and were completely outplayed in a in a yeah. one 0 loss at home. And then Tigre, after that decent win, completely fell to pieces at home against the worst team in the league and and folded to defeat. But it just seems to be no way like these teams can, can get continuity and put kind of two three results together. And I think that's what really what really means teams like uh, Lanús this year and Newell's River. You can probably say are in the same. In the same category, although they've they've kind of dropped a few points slowly, they're kind of the teams that are going to walk away solely on the basis that they're capable of putting three or four wins together. And they seem to be the only team the only teams that are capable of that. Absolutely, yeah. Union uh, now have sixty five <coughs> points, and the two other teams in the division who've played the same number of games, uh, three other teams, sorry, in the division who've played the same number of games to them. I'm forgetting about Belgrano. Uh, but Union are three points behind San Martin and only only 11 behind Rafaela who are the other side who played 63 games so they it's, it's in sight it's mathematically possible and if they keep up the current form then was it, was it a, a win against Bocca and then they drew the following week didn't they and then, and then, and then win this one so now I'm beaten in three which considering they went 26 matches without a win is, uh, is remarkable form they've got a way to go to beat Belgrano Belgrano are um, up in about 5th or 6th in the Promedio table but it's so. looking pretty dire for San Martin now indeed yeah San Martin are very much the opposite uh, direction trajectory wise uh, to use a horrible well not a horrible Spanish word but to use a Spanish word in English in a horrible manner uh, they lost 3-2 last night to Arsenal de Sarandi um, who saw that one I, I caught most of it Oh yeah, I watched a bit of that. It was it's a re- epic game. Incredibly wasteful in the first half. Yeah. Uh, so now we're exactly the opposite. They had two chances and they went into half time two 0 up. And then San Martin scored twice in the opening five minutes in the yeah, second half to make it two two. Yeah. Uh, and it took into was it stoppage time when Isabel Lopez got the winner? I think it was about two or yeah. three minutes before the end. Yeah. Mm. And he was very happy to get that goal. Great header. Brilliant header. One of the classic yeah. looping headers just back back in the far corner. Brilliant header, brilliant goal. It was superb. And it lifts us in out of that game to fifth. Um, and they're still they're something like five or six points ahead of where they were at this point of the Clausura, which of course they won. Um, so it's remarkable after such an awful Donero Inicial that they're now starting to, to pick it up again. Um, San Martin, 18th in the Donero Inicial, second bottom of the of the descent or the, the relegation table um, and just really looking like they can't get a win from anywhere they, I think they've got the derby the, ne- the next league match of course we've got a weekend off uh, this coming weekend which will be coming into well, it's the third week in a row right they've, um, they've conceded three goals yeah and their next match is a classico against Godoy Cruz who of course are in pretty good form yeah um, they lost this weekend but that was to Lanus yeah. 1-0 as well very entertaining game I don't see it on Sunday was uh, that on Sunday? That'd be it was, was on the. It was on Saturday, I think. Oh, I was. I was on my way to a wedding then. No, sorry, no, it was on Sunday. Sunday, Sunday at I, two p.m. I was suffering from a wedding then. <laughs> so you didn't see any of it. No, I was asleep. Joel, did you come to? No, I've strictly highlights for me this weekend. No dedication, really. Um, Henry, <laughs> um, what struck me about the Argentine Premier Division? This weekend was the amount of managers with um, with long hair, which I guess is um, something that 
Argentine beef is known for, but it just really struck me having not been in the country for a while. There's some, there's some really nice barnets around. Yeah, you don't get yeah. too much in the players these days. Only kind of you got the cambiasas, like the veterans who still rock the the mullets and the, the long hair. But the managers are uh, flying the flag still. Yeah, it's yeah. a very good point. Yeah. Yeah, but more or less, I stopped watching um, the Argentine. Primera a few years ago because something bad happened and, uh, <laughs> and I have to just um, make do with, with trying to find really dodgy feeds of, um, of terrible games in, in La Bay um, and watch how I can lose most of the time but we, actually, we won at the weekend so that was good with a scuffed penalty and then again remind me Boca Unidos yeah. Boca Unidos yeah. Yeah. yeah so scuffed penalty about 30 minutes in and then um Ooh, uh, ooh, has the pump back to the wall. <laughs> Long ball, um, and just hold on. I thought the last 20 minutes was sort of was, um, <laughs> as a neutral, it was one of those where you, it, it was sort of a thrilling finale, but yeah. being a fan of the one who, of the team who were 1 0 up, I could imagine it yeah. <laughs> not being quite so enjoyable. Yeah, uh, yeah. But it was a big win. I mean, it takes you to something like 6th or 7th from bottom now in the, in the, the central table, and yeah, the, it's only bottom two that go down this season. So I think we'll be fine with. I so think right. we'll be fine with, with the sensor. And now, obviously, the players have got carried away, and today a few of them are talking about if we win the next two home games, all of a sudden we can we can start thinking about um, promotion. Ah, oh, come on. Which, um, it's kind of talk you want. Yeah, it's, it's a talk we want. But, um, when we're playing inside the foot, I mean, we're winning by luck. We're winning by luck, and, and by, not through any system or any skill. It's former champions. Yep. Uh-huh. It's former champions, isn't it? Yeah. Win the games that you don't, don't deserve to win. Yeah, it's a former champions. <laughs> that's, that's, what, that's what we'll call it. In the season table, Huracan are currently 10th, uh, 34 points, but Olimpo, the third team, promoted yeah. if the league finished today, are only 12 ahead of that. So, yeah, I mean. There's 13 games to go. So it's not unfeasible. It's not unfeasible. 12, 12 behind with 13 to win go. probably 10 of those games. What about um, Douglas Hay? Did they carry on their winning ways? They drew with third They drew? Yeah. Uh, 1-1 wasn't it or 0-0 nil, nil. yeah since, ever since the Racing legend Mustafa Merla took over they've been in electric form it, was it they won the they first won. four games yeah they won the first four games because they would have died before but yeah it's a great name as well I think we've talked about just we have discussed all yeah. that before yeah I, can't, I think they played somebody in the Copa Argentina last season and we mentioned yeah. them um, their next game Douglas Haig is again so home to defence Justicia which will be an interesting one and <laughs> or I can <laughs> I said that with a completely straight face no, defence Justicia are uh, um, uh, 11th and Douglas Haig uh, 13th only three points apart, which is why I said um, and Huracan are at home to Instituto which yeah so that's the weekend this weekend uh, that is this weekend yeah I think um, Sky Sports will be showing in England uh, <laughs> yeah I'm not sure <laughs> no big game it is a big game and I'll they, be there not least because Instituto having been I mean the form side of the well yeah, one, 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 one of the form sides of, of last season obviously when everybody was paying attention to the beat all of a sudden uh, now that nobody's paying attention to it anymore yeah. <laughs> they've fallen off a cliff they're 17th um, yeah. in the season long table I don't think they're in any danger of going down. I'm just gonna, no, they're not. They're, they're about sixth in the relegation table, so there's no problem for them there. Um, but should yeah. we go back to the R for a second? Pardon? Should we go back to the R for, R for a second? Why? Let's switch back. Why, do you, why do you want to go there? Well, we've already we're mentioned there. Uragan there. Uh, we were talking uh, before we went on that diversion about Godoy Cruz and Lanús, who are two, two teams, ironically, who are uh, managed by people with completely sensible haircuts. Um, and also two teams were managed by people who surely and one day quite well, a record of fairly match. controversial fashion decisions more in the, set, more in the case of Martin Palermo, Martin Palermo. Palermo. I don't the only man Carlos Gelotto has 
was was certainly the mullet area yeah. of haircuts, but but otherwise, I mean, there was no colouring issues there. I mean, Palermo's Palermo's had some very dodgy. Yeah, absolutely. absolutely. I don't think there are any there aren't any uh, managers. Um, in, in any four divisions of the English League rocking two gold earrings like the <laughs> yeah. so I mean number is, is interesting indeed yeah. it shows how far English football is behind Argentina <laughs> yeah, yeah. Right. And Argentine football very nearly allegedly picked up one with three diamond earrings in the same same ear a couple of weeks ago because Maradona was in the like, in like the Argentine club according to some that would have been brilliant um, that would have been fantastic it, it would have been brilliant for anybody who doesn't support Argentine and likes watching them get embarrassed every week well um, Caruso now. <laughs> and, and for anyone that likes jewellery yes that as well um, however anyway Lanús beat Godoy Cruz Lanús was slightly fortunate to beat Godoy Cruz uh, they did it with I think it was Silvio Romero goal uh, it wasn't it was Carlos Iquedos the uh, aptly named left back um who scored the only goal of the game about halfway through the first half and Godoy Cruz actually slightly unfortunate maybe to not get a point which considering they're playing a team of Lanus pedigree and ability um, is uh, again says one is what we've now been saying for a few weeks which is that Martin Palermo appears uh, for questionable haircuts or hair colourings aside to be a perfectly competent manager um, still going from strength to strength yeah. Uh, what else have we got Lanus that win means that Lanus are now three points clear at the top because River Plate who started the weekend a point behind them lost 1-0 away to Newell's old boys uh, this means that Newell's going to second do you want to talk about it Sam I will uh, Newell's going to second they're three points behind um, Lanus one point ahead of River and uh, I wanted to mention just the winning goal really as much as anything yeah. it was yeah. fantastic messy like uh, moment of inspiration from Ignacio Scocco not again. where it's a hyperbole here on um, was it what was the score 1-0 yeah. it was 1-0 great goal was really, put, really put, his, he put his he probably put his head on the line and like and then he completely committed his body on the line like mm. there were two little moments in the split second where he could have got really badly hurt but he, he committed to it a great goal just super lovely yeah. finish as well it was yeah. you know, not, not particularly yeah, powerful full, just, full just straight enough on it to, yeah. to divert it past the goalkeeper yeah and usually Scott goals his, his characteristics are much more that he just smashes it yeah. whether it's penalty or, or shots but from, I mean, from any range but he, he just, it's all about power mm. and this was just a you know, lovely little sombrero as, as mm. it's called uh, over Roman and as you said I mean, total, I mean really 60-40 against him really yeah. Yeah. he got there first and brilliant brilliant finish and I saw uh, very he's lucky to stay on the pitch though he, uh, Barrovero was looking to stay on the pitch well he, he was as well yeah, which, which I think we're going to get up to a little bit later because we had a few questionable refereeing decisions across all the games this weekend um, and that's going to be one of the ones that we talk about but uh, Kike Wolf um, very good presenter for ESPN uh, here in Latin America and a member of Argentina's 1974 World Cup squad um, said right after that game I, I kind of flipped over very quickly to Sports Centre while I was waiting for the next match to start and, and he was on there saying just how lucky we are in Argentina to have a player like Ignacio Scorco in the league and it is I mean he's in fantastic form yeah uh, he's he has been for a long time exactly yeah uh, I think he's the top scorer over the whole season in ECL and final combined he's certainly the top yeah, scorer in the final so far he's got yeah. like five goals in the season well, he's joined up with uh, Chuck Apadeda yeah. with 13 last season so so yeah he's um, maybe he's de- that's the thing we've got to enjoy him while he's around because he's definitely going at the end of the season he's definitely yeah. returning to Europe yeah. but he was part of the, the returnees with uh, Maxi and Mr Hines yeah, um, for, for coming back to help out Newell's so that's the other thing I mean you know, this is a player who could be playing maybe not for Real Madrid but you know for a decent side in Europe but you know decided to come back and help the club where, where he started out and, uh, and it's you know he's, he's been absolutely brilliant 
It was a great story. Yeah, yeah. It is, absolutely. Um, who they're going to have as manager next season and who they're going to have as centre forward next season are going to be two very important questions, so that's going to be Marcelo's um, name. For sure, but yeah, I think a, a jobs, as I said on, on Twitter a few days ago, a job swap from uh, between Bielsa and, uh, and Tata Martino will probably suit both clubs and both managers quite a lot, possibly with the exception of Bielsa's bank balance. But, um, you know. I think it's fairly healthy, to be honest. Yes, he's I would imagine so, but <laughs> yes. Um, we've had quite a few draws this weekend. We had Kilmes, of course, drawing with Independiente, which means that Independiente stay in, in the, uh, the relegation places. I it's, thought you might want to mention it's that. It's very important to, to point this out every week. I yeah. Um, They're still down. I, I predicted quite a few draws last weekend as well. Uh, <laughs> la- last, last week on Hand of Optimistic Sound. Um, I'm not quite sure how many of them coincided with the ones I predicted, but I, I've got to have at least seven or eight correct scores I think from last week <laughs> um, so I'm quite pleased it's usually about 30% yeah. Yeah. So. Um, quick, quick note on the sorry just quickly on just, yeah. uh, things that happen you know, in the media uh, Ole wrote Mataro Morir for the Kilmers Independiente and we're always banging on about you know there's too much violence we've got to <laughs> take away the drama from because you know fans going Berserk and, and whatever, and, and just putting on that kind of headline ahead of the Kilmes for those who are listening to an English language Argentine podcast because you don't speak Spanish, uh, that means kill or be killed. Uh, so I assumed everyone's got totally fluent Spanish <laughs> yeah. for um, listeners, yeah, yeah, exactly. Kill or, or die. Kill or die, yeah. You know, is it, is it really necessary? Mm. Probably not, no. But, yeah. So. And, then right, and then right underneath they have they have the column called Batta de Violencia that's enough with the violence yeah exactly um, yeah, yeah. but yeah you're, you're quite right to, to mention it John uh, the other draws were they were all 1-1 it was Racing v Belgrano Belez versus Estudiantes those two were played at the same time and Boca versus Argentinos um Dan, you were, I assume, at Racing Me Belgrano, so tell us about that one. Yeah, I was there in body at least, I'm not <laughs> entirely sure what my spirit was. Still recovering from the wedding. Something along those lines, yeah. But, um, yeah, it was real, again, I think I've pointed out so many times over the last year, like, Racing only ever seemed capable of playing one decent half of football in the game. And that came in the first half, they went into half time 1 0 up against uh, Belgrano. With a goal from. World um, Cup winner Mauro Cabronesi yeah and a really nice goal as well like, fantastic work by Vieto who kind of got down on the, um, on the left byline and kind of opened himself up beat a couple of players put the cross in and Maurito put in a, like timed his head up perfectly like looped it over um, over Olavi and yeah really nice goal to start and you could say yeah, it was probably what Rassin deserved in the first half they were very tight they knocked around the ball well like you know we know it's always difficult to play against Bograno, like they don't lose many games at all. So, one at half time, and you think, um, you know, there's a decent chance here. If they, they kind of hold on another 15, 20 minutes, 1 0, then you can start thinking of the, or the win. So, obviously, about 30 seconds into the second half, uh, <laughs> Bergrano, <laughs> it Bergrano equalised. It was actually four minutes, but uh, it felt like 30 seconds. We'll give you the benefit of the doubt. Thanks. Yeah, it was. Um, I can't remember who put the original header in or who scored the goal. Jorge Velasquez scored the goal. There you go. um, and yeah, and then from then it was all Belgrano. They were the ones who were pushing. I know. Uh, I think it was Carranza had a brilliant chance at the end because Ortiz completely fucked up, and Saka saved us. And yeah, if it wasn't for Saka, it would have been um, a 
had a FIFA lesson. Really, yeah, really just dropped off after half time. Then Ashgate's goal came as a result of something bouncing back to him off Saha, didn't it? Am I remembering that right? It was a save. Yeah. yeah. He saved it. And, and that really was about the only foot that Saha put wrong the entire time. It was I don't even know if you can easy. call it a foot wrong, right? Exactly. Yeah. He saved the first one pretty well and just couldn't do anything for the rebound. You've got to ask about the five defenders who were watching both the original header and the rebound. I think more. That's but, a very good point. Yeah, and then just to do top it off, Racing sent for the cavalry, Jose Pepisan, <laughs> for the last, what, 15 minutes or so, um, the cavalry Did what only he can do. Got whistled and booed like, uh, like a motherfucker and then did absolutely nothing. It just hasn't worked out that, has it? I mean, I remember when really Pepisan signed and everyone was just so excited. Yeah. They were, I mean, they, you know, so, I mean, they say in Fox and all the rest of it, they're all showing, and, and rightly so, I mean, all the goals that he'd scored. Yeah. I sometimes wonder what would have happened in Mexico. If those yeah. First, yeah. I wonder what would have happened if those yeah. first two penalties had in exactly. Rafaela, mm. first game in the Inicial, if he'd have buried them. Well, maybe Brasil would be one of the Libertadores champions. I mean. Well, logically, yeah. <laughs> but a little bit more realistically, I think. I think it's all about the confidence. Like, that really did knock him back in. The yeah, start. no, no, exactly. Yeah. Uh, the other game that was taking place at the same time as that one in Liniers um, featured. Not one, but two players called Leandro de Sabato. One on each team. Better Sarsfield, young midfielder, and the Estudiantes uh, veteran defender, who were cousins, apparently, according to a report on ESPN yesterday. Um, they, made a, uh, they managed to make this story last about 10 minutes or something, which gives you some idea of just how little they have to talk about when you've got a 24 hour sports news channel. Um, and it finished 1 1, not only in terms of cousins on the pitch, but also in terms of goals scored. Um, one of the Leandro de Sabato's got on the score sheet it was the Stigiantes one uh, with 12 minutes to go cancelling out an opener uh, about half an hour in from Federico Insua who's another good player who's been in good form we've already mentioned um, uh, Scopo uh, Insua's been good since, since joining Venice as well it's been a good it's been a good year for strikers so far it has although Venice is, Venice is too I, I only turned over I was mainly watching the Racing game, kind of turning over for 10 minutes here and there at the Velez Estudiantes yeah. game. And whenever I saw Jonathan Copete and Ezequiel Rescaldini get the ball, uh, they were both rubbish. So I'm not quite sure what was happening. So Duvan Zapata. Well, looks a bit more active, doesn't he? But Rescaldini is a bit. just very raw, so isn't it? Yeah, he's, he's still learning. Uh, Rescaldani, sorry, not, not Rescaldini. Uh, confusing, sorry. And then just after that, just after those two games, we got another 1 1 draw, which was Boca versus Argentinos, um, which the second half of which especially might. Just have been the worst half of football I've seen so far this year. <laughs> which nothing, is, which is saying, nothing happened. Yeah. Um, I'm sorry, I've got to point out as well. How many Martin. penalties did Boca get? I mean, come on. It's yeah. just ridiculous. Yeah. What, what are you insinuating? I'm insinuating that they get a hell of a lot of penalties. Okay. No, missed missed well, penalties. Six this year, I've seen them even have one. Yeah. The Santiago Silva scored the one that he got the other day, but missed penalties. <laughs> it's about Brazil, it's nothing to do with Boca. <laughs> no, you got to say they get a lot of penalties. Good, 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 good celebration, though. Yeah, it was, wasn't it? What a nutter! Just yeah. exactly, yeah. absolutely, just going that job. completely berserk is, is how we like to see players celebrate goals, even if it is Boca. Um, yeah. Matias Martinez, of course, another player who uh, another reason for Dan to get angry about people having certain form at racing and then maybe improving slightly elsewhere. Uh, got the equaliser. That was dreadful defending. He's got the week before him. Kidman. I've been saying this every single week. Boca are conceding goals from every set piece. Yeah, yeah exactly. This, this I mean, was a corner that, that went through the whole past to, to the far post through. I mean, I don't know yeah. how many defenders yeah. there were, 
And then the guy who was marking my teeth, my hand was, was not gold side of him. So it was just a very simple tap in the far post. I mean, it was just, it was, it was, it was dreadful. A couple of weeks ago, Boca lost at home in the Copa Libertadores to Nacional. Um, and I said on Twitter right afterwards, I don't think that Nacional deserved to win, but I do think Boca deserved to lose because they're making the same mistakes every game. They had 65% of the possession or something. They deserve to lose. They're making the same mistakes every game. They deserve to lose. And I ended up, exactly, and I, and I ended up having a, an argument with, with a follower okay, on Twitter. Well, what do you want? Who, who was saying, well, no, you can't because, because they dominated possession. I said, yeah, but the, the goal was from a corner. The guy was completely, it was a Scotty in, in that case for Nacional. Completely unmarked. And they're doing it all the bloody time. But it's, it doesn't seem to be getting... It's, it's not that they're playing badly overall. They're just not... It's, it's, it's very strange from a Bielsa side. Yeah. And there was a very interesting article today in, in La Nacion that was comparing the start made by Bianchi, this time around, obviously, mm. and Falcione's start. And they were saying, you know, Bianchi's made a better start to Falcione. But, I mean, when you look at the stats, this is... This was Falcioni took four points from the first 18 on offer, and Bianchi's taken six. Yeah. Which is not much. Plus, six. Boca have had such an easy start, you know. Such yeah, I mean, a kind uh, start to the A start that you'd look at yeah. kind of the expectancy. I mean, Dinos, Kiddes, Boys, points. you know. Yeah. Not really any any big teams to yeah. come to come to the Bomba area. They've got some yeah, interesting games to come. And one of those teams, of course, uh, we've been saving them till last, is actually not quite last, uh, penultimate, let's say, but they were the final game of the weekend, and it is La Congeleto Madre, all birthday boys, um, <laughs> who won 2-1 against Atletico Rafaela. We've already mentioned one questionable uh, refereeing decision, well, there'll be another one in, in this game that we can talk about. Um, almost took a, I think it was a 2-0 lead, it was at half-time, yes. uh, Angel Vidoso. This is exactly what we need. We're going to mention in a minute that San Lorenzo won right after the, the Pope was, was named last week and a player called Angel scores a goal as well. Um, it's all the Argentine press news. And Ivan Borgello scored the other. Um, Juan Eluchans uh, scored a penalty, I think yeah, it was, to, yeah. to pull one back for Rafaela, who then had another absolutely stonewall one. Oh, it was my question. Not called about, what, yeah. 15 minutes to go. Um, yeah. The ref completely bottled it because... Can was... you tell us what happened then? Because I've, I've still not seen the... Re- I, I was... Uh, uh, spooning out my dinner when <laughs> when it was happening in the Fair kitchen, so I wasn't in front of the TV. Yeah, it was coming into the final minute. I think it was about five minutes to go, something like that. And it was was it Grassini who broke through? Really, kind of was going for it. Yeah, if I was hearing the commentary yeah. right, it was Grassini. Not to pass the defender, who I can't remember um, off the top of my head. Like went past him on the left, and you saw it. It was like it wasn't even a case of he he made the most of it. He went down like it was. Big contact, he went hard in on the shin, like didn't get anywhere near the ball and Gracie went down because he was flying and got really kind of hacked. The TV and commentators were calling it on the replay, they called it a penalazo. It's a penalazo, yeah. It was an enormous penalty. Yeah, it was, yeah, it was a gigantic penalty. Well, in the mix zone afterwards, uh, Gracie was showed us the, the stud yeah. marks on his shin. Yeah, so, I mean, there was no question about it. Uh, yeah. Basically, I think it was a case that um, the ref was, you know, Refereeing in Birthday our present. boys, Birthday refereeing our boys in January, he'd already given one penalty for the away side, and he bottled it. Like he mm. thought, I can't give two, you know, two penalties to the away side because I'm not going to get out of here alive. So, <laughs> so yeah, no, he completely bottled it. And then um, the uh, the Rafaela coach just um, just uh, rustled rustled the wing, got sent off for his arguments. Absolutely. Um, we should give some credit where it's due to all boys because they provided two of the most beautiful things about this weekend. The, the first was Ivan Borgelo's goal to put them 2-0 up. which it's was brilliant, a brilliant like, triple score. Yeah, 
Um, yeah. Borgello is just a gorgeous kind of curling. Yeah. We've talked about the ball and we've talked about the velocity that so many players are scoring at, but this one was not blasted, it was just sort of perfectly curled into the far post. And the other, apart from Cambiasso's triple save, uh, was All Boys shirts. Just oh, they were glorious. Glorious. Based on the original design. Um, without any sponsor although we have mentioned many times in the past that all boys have probably the best shirt sponsor logo in world football um, but this one was sponsorless but just beautiful if they'd been wearing black shorts for it it would have been just perfect but they went for white unfortunately um, the one remaining you can't have teams playing in all one colour it looks horrible they look like Real Madrid um, the one remaining uh, match that we've not mentioned yet this weekend is Colón versus San Lorenzo the Pope's team uh, who inevitably on such a great week for Argentine uh, society football Catholicism don't know get so them mixed Pope's up team against uh, Guadalupe uh, Guadalupe Virgins precisely yeah. yes indeed uh, and they won 1-0 um, Pablo Migliori was I think man of the match for most people the San Lorenzo goalkeeper but it was an own goal from Ruben Ramirez the striker how does the striker score an own goal he would have been Take something special to do that. Uh, I think that's what we have to explain. It's about 15 minutes ago, indeed, um, which which decided the game. So, Dan, explain it. I didn't see it. Struggling to remember. No, I didn't see it. Oh dear, Joel, did you? It's just a deflection. I mean, it's just bad luck. I mean, obviously, it's not something that Ruben, unless he wanted to help out, you know, um, Francis, uh, Francis. Um, just a corner, and you know, these these things happen. But um, divine intervention, maybe. Well, perhaps, yeah. perhaps. These kind of jokes were inevitable, of course. Uh, I would like to say something that uh, I went this morning to the Plaza. Yeah. It's impressive what they've done in front of the cathedral, isn't it? And this might upset a few people, but San Lorenzo have put more people in the Plaza than Pope Francis. <laughs> For going back to Abuela. Yeah. I was surprised how few Not people far. there were. It was yeah, like I mean, six in the morning. To be fair, yeah, it was very early. It was half five when it, when people it was started. People were you're doing there at half past five. It's not every. I'm oh, sorry. Every, no, every, I'm every, it's not every, every you know day of the year that you know one of this. The, there's a you in the country where guy yeah, who's, 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 who's the spiritual yeah, sorry, leader for right. one. Uh, what is it? Thousand two hundred million. Yeah, one point three million believers around the world. Are, you know, is, is um, inaugurated. So, so I went down to have a quick look, but. Surprised how few people were there, to be honest. Mm. But obviously, it was very early. So. Yeah, it was very early. I think they've, they've had kind of a rotating. Um, uh, like shifts of people coming and going as well because sure. I mean obviously I, I live considerably closer to Plaza de Mayo than certainly than you do Joel um, and yeah I've walked through it a fair few times over the last week and it's been um, yeah sort of always just more people than, than usual in that kind of area there were, not exactly there were a lot of San Lorenzo shirts about really <laughs> really excellent um, that's the last mention we're going to make of the Pope this weekend and this is week sorry <laughs> yeah. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I quite like to know because Harry was telling me that he's going to be involved in his own match next week. And I think this would be a great story for Hannah Body. You'd like to share with Henry? Yeah. There's um. There's, there's well, we're not expecting as many quite quite as many people um, as you might be seeing in Plaza de Mayo for for the celebrations of the new pope. But it is um, Hurricane Fans Day, 10th anniversary of. Um, on the 28th of March next week so um, there's, there's some exciting plans being um, the 10th anniversary of the 10th anniversary of Hurricane Fans Day <laughs> it's happened, it's happened 10 times there's a day it's called, Hur- it's called Dear Dead Incher yeah, and yeah. this is the 10th anniversary every club has one. Oh well they've only okay yeah I mean so since it, since it started it's kind of how old is, is Olekan? 
It's, um, oh, better get this one right, 105 years. Okay. Um, yeah, they had their centenary in, uh, in 2008. And uh, I've been speaking to the guy who organised their centenary. He, he's been telling me, you know, he's the guy that put 50,000 people in the street, so Henry, he's in charge of organising this. I'm going to interrupt you because in, in double-checking you, which I was about to do on Google for the, the official confirmation, I, I need to congratulate you. I've typed in Huracan into Google, and the first autocomplete Google suggests is Huracan London. No. And the second is Huracan Football London. So. Wow. Congratulations. But that, your Google must be google.co.uk. Uh, Dan's Google is... Let me see. Please be google.com.r. <laughs> <laughs> it won't be. It is google.com.r. Huh? Very impressive. Is that because he's been previously searched? He's been in research? It's, no, because I've got this new computer, so it's not, it's not his previous search. There's nothing to do with it. I don't like to embarrass him and come up with all the porn sites that he... Oh, yeah. Because <laughs> <laughs> it's full. Like, yeah. So what? Yeah, what's it? it's next Thursday, and the the um, the idea is that because the, the Hurricanes training ground, Lacanita, was uh, under threat from a, a new bus terminal and, and tube station being built there, and so when the ideas were being formed for fans day, the idea was everyone would be going in bare feet to symbolise, you know, Hurricane belongs to BA and we're connected to the earth, and you know, maybe it's going to turn into some sort of like spiritual rain dance or something, but. Um, the idea is that we're, we're going to be marching from Parque Patricios, which is Hurricane's area, to uh, Congreso um, in flip-flops, I think to give everyone's feet a, a bit of a break before <laughs> we, we take on Congreso to Obelisco in bare feet, hoping that, you know, San Lorenzo fans haven't put down any glass or any that's, or, um, that's a march of about two and a half kilometres, three kilometres-ish from the stadium to Plaza de Congreso? Yeah, something it's like pretty that. much straight. Yeah, yeah, and Congreso to Obelisco is pretty, pretty short. Yeah. And at each, there's going to be a, a sort of a stage at each place, with, and then we're going to finish by dancing tango by the Obelisco. So that would be my, my uh, cue to um, make an, a, a very swift exit. Because <laughs> obviously I can't uh, dance tango. No, especially wearing, I mean, these look leather-soled, these shoes, Henry, so I was wondering whether you were a dancer. Um, no, I'm definitely not. I these, don't, these I don't blame like, you for not being... Brave enough to dance tango in public. I've done a few classes, but the idea of actually dancing properly terrifies me. Yeah, well, and the problem is there'll be eyes on me. There'll be eyes on me, always are, at these hurricane events. Because you're six foot something and have very fair hair, which stands out a fair bit in Wales. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) It'll be a good day. I'm looking forward to it. I'm trying to learn all the hurricane songs, which I should know by now. Um, trying to learn them worth word. Things to mention. Oh, we've already right. We, we said we were going to mention questionable refereeing decisions. We've had the Rafael penalty, which we talked about. We also had a moment when Marcelo Barrovero, River Plate's goalkeeper, should definitely have been sent off when it was still nil-nil away to Newell's, um, running out of his area. I think that he was going to try and catch the ball and then realised sort of while he was in mid-air that he left his box. So tried to bring his hands away and it hit his arm, but it should have been a red card. Um, for, for handball the referee either didn't see or claimed not to see the ball bounce it was, it was quite hard to spot actually on the, even on the TV replay it was only when they slowed it right down we well, had Tessa Martino saw it pretty clearly and he was going mad yes the, yeah a lot of people are touch touch for, I mean, for Newell's I mean surely you're right that you do need to see it a couple of times to, to be absolutely sure but I mean Albeit, after it had been replayed on the television more than enough times to be absolutely sure that the Football Paradox commentators were still looking at it going no, no, that was never a handball he's completely right which just gives you some idea about the amount of bias towards the big clubs that there is in the Argentine um, league but the main talking point from a refereeing point of view I thought in that game was Carlos Luna's equaliser which was not an equaliser uh, being disallowed very late on uh, River had a, a corner 
Rogelio Funes Mori headed it down cross goal and then flying in at the far post with a sort of kamikaze diving header about a yard or, well sorry about a, a foot off the floor was Carlos Luna he turned it into the net uh, everybody wheeled away and, and was celebrating with him it was 1-1 um, and then Newell's players started to, to protest about this and went absolutely berserk Ignacio Scocco was, was threatening the, the linesman looking like he was about to manhandle him so um, the manager Martino then put himself in between Scocco and the linesman and manhandled the linesman himself I, I think as, 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 uh, I think it was Lepra Granata on Twitter uh, frequent listener um, said put it afterwards as much as anything it seemed like Martino was trying to stop Scocco from getting the red card so he kind of sacrificed himself to do that um, uh, Martino got sent off and after about two minutes the referee chalked the goal off and it was unquestionably it should have been chalked off it, it was a handball but the sort of question that arose then was why did he chalk it off because he very clearly didn't see the handball when it was it was first committed both the linesman and the referee gave the goal exactly um, and so it, was, it ended up being disallowed yeah. which means that they, the fourth official saw the TV in replay right absolutely um, and this is a for fairly obvious reasons is, a, is a, an interesting we're into Zidane territory here aren't exactly yeah. but both for that goal and for the Zidane incident I'm of the opinion that it should be allowed at least to aid no it's way to absolutely um, absolutely I mean the, there's a, one of the agencies got the photo um, which obviously leaves no doubt whatsoever about the handball from Luna so yeah. I mean absolutely but I mean these are bigger decisions for Hannah Potter one of the other things and this is a bit of a criticism of Football Paradodos from me um, is that the TV replay that showed most conclusively that it was a handball uh, if you happen to have a non-widescreen television didn't show the moment of contact between Luna and the ball he was off the side of the screen when, <laughs> when it got yeah, no, yeah, right. uh, so I was quite disappointed in that I mean Joel you, you've got a widescreen TV in your place hasn't he but um, Dan hasn't. No, I no, haven't. no, but it was the same. You, um, you couldn't oh, see it. Oh, you've got the widescreen one? No, no, you couldn't see it. It wasn't on the image. Okay. It, you, couldn't, you couldn't see the. Uh, it's just bad camera work. No, see, I, I thought that this was football paradox being biased towards those who were <laughs> rich, rich people with, with widescreen. No, it's football paradox. We're there for the people. Indeed, yeah. So it's just their shoddy camera work. Yeah, they're just bad cameramen. I retract the accusation in that case. Although the accusation of shoddy camera works. No, also, you have to remember that for televised games, all the cameras are one side, otherwise, it, yeah. I mean, there's one or two cameras on the other side, but they're all yeah. from the yeah. same side, otherwise, sure. it all gets a little bit, you know. So, um, so I mean, that, in that side of things, it's, it's fair enough, but I mean, as you said, the, the, the photos there, very clearly handball, Newell's players all saw it, but the question is, you know, is that, is that the way it's going to go then? Can the fourth official then change decisions? Mm-hmm. So it's like, this is what Rivers' big complaint was. It's like, well, hang on, we're not talking about the handball, we're talking about the decision. Indeed. Yeah. Because it was given. Indeed. The referee said yes, the lineman said yes, and yet well, it was then yeah. disallowed. So one, one theory that I saw floated on, on Twitter uh, immediately afterwards when I first kind of said, why has it been, you know, it should have been disallowed, but why, why actually was it disallowed, uh, was that perhaps the referee turned around to Luna and said, did you handball it? And that Luna admitted it. Which Luna did after the game, but almost certainly wouldn't have done in the heat of the moment. I mean, you'd have to. Uh, I, w- I would praise any footballer who did admit it 
when it was a matter of whether the goal was going to be chalked off or not, but I wouldn't expect them to do it, and I very yeah, much doubt that's, that's they did. Really, it's, it's not up to the players to be telling the referee what, no. what happened. I mean, it's like, oh, you know, I don't book him. So, yeah. okay, all right. no, I don't send him off. All right, yeah, you're right. I, won't. <laughs> I mean, you know, it's, it's up to. The, but the referee made his decision. This is the point. So, mm. indeed. Um, on that note, now we're going to play some music. We're going to re- recharge our fernet glasses, and uh, we will come back with some of your questions. Tom Robinson. Can I, can I get it quickly because this is one you're going to have to think about. Oh, go on then, go. Okay. This is a, a fun fact quiz. Yeah. And it's... We'll come back to this one at the topic, end of the question. Totally random. Mm-hmm. Um, in at Boca, at their museum, they have a wall of photographs okay. of all the players who've made their debut. And so it's obviously an order for debutants at Boca Juniors. So the question is, which player made his Boca Juniors debut directly before... One Roman Riquelme. One, just one. Is this going to be a name that all of our listeners will know? Or is Absolutely. It be, okay. Absolutely. Yeah. Okay. So we'll think about that. And at the end of so this, this will be 1996. Right. So at the end of the question section, we'll all come back and we'll have a guess about that one. And it's topical. Okay. So I'm looking at you, Enrique. Okay. Oh, interesting. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Tom Robinson this is the very first question because he actually asked it last week uh, he missed the, the recording by a couple of hours and just asked it later that evening so I told him to retweet it to us tonight and he, asked him. Uh, he says what are our opinions on Duvan Zapata would a future move to Europe be on the cards um, I think to the second question definitely and to the first question he's rather good yeah very very strong, very direct forward, and a decent shot. I, mean. I can't quite decide whether he's actually very big or whether he just looks very big in the Argentine league. Very silky, uh, yeah, he's very, very well built, built. heavily yeah. built. Where's he from? Colombia. Yeah, I thought I'd heard It's a very Colombian name. Do of course, yeah, yeah. Henry's living in Colombia now, yeah. aren't you? So, yeah. Um, can you tell us anything about the local uh, reception for Divan Zapata? Whether he gets in the press much there? Or? No, I can't really. But that, I guess that's because the, the press don't. The, pre, the press is, are so crazy about Falcao that no one else really. But they seem like no, 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 in the in the national squad. He can't be surely. Um, no, he's not. I wouldn't have no, thought he's very far away from it. But I'd, I'd be there's a few people there. there like you got um, Quinteros who's playing um, playing in Italy, like doing mm. fantastically. James, uh, James, Magnelli, Bond, Rodriguez. Yeah. Um, yeah, there's a few, there's a few players ahead of him. I think Taylor's in the squad as well. So. Yeah, isn't he? Yeah. yeah. So I guess that's the kind of answer you've got. Players of really undeniably enormous quality keeping him out of the yeah. the national team, especially um, up front. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, I, I would I would not be at all surprised to see him go to certainly to Spain or Portugal, maybe possibly France. I could see him thinking. Um, England or Italy, not so much maybe. I think it's done up quite Spain. as well. It's, it's Spain a, or Portugal is blessed. Yes. Yeah. Quite a powerful blade, very explosive. I like him. Um, yeah. that's, that's that one. 
Well, I'm going back up to... Here we go. Chris asks, do you think Baros Siskilotto will be the next pocket manager? Ooh, We're back into this thing now. Lanus at the top of the league, therefore yeah. Ekilotto's job interview is going well. It'll be very um, interesting if Bianchi makes a complete hash of this season and decides to cut it short. But as he might well do. Would, would they well, go for Baros Siskilotto or would they go for Siskilotto? He could resign. Yeah, but I don't think so because I think that Bianchi will be given a transfer window as in one where he actually do something which is the open one no, I'm, not, which is I'm just, not denying that no, no, no. I'm, I'm saying if you want to say not, if, he, you know, yeah, if, if, if they go nowhere in the or if they finish mid-table like, really, I don't think you really have the heart to, to leave but I don't think carry on I either. really don't believe that Bianchi would come back to Boca not have a good season crash out Libertadores or whatever yeah. and, and then leave mm. he is of course as everybody knows an enormous Bostero that's not true at all he's a River fan from boyhood <laughs> but um, I had to get that one there yeah, no, yeah. It, it, I mean, definitely, but no, no, it is up there. I mean, it goes yeah. without saying. But, but, but here's, here's the question if, if both do roughly equally as well, which could mean, say, Lanus winning the championship and Godoy Cruz finishing top three or four and qualifying for the Sudamericano, or, or maybe next year's Libertadores, in terms of who'd have the biggest impact with the fans, do you think Boca would go with Esquilotto? Or with Palermo? Well, for both of them, there's an issue which is that uh, while Raquel is there, neither of them are likely to, to get the job. That's also something which has to be taken into consideration. If Bianchi walks out the door, is Raquel going to stay? Well, we're just walking into yeah. just the whole world of hypo- hypothesis yeah. here. It's impossible. You can't see this, yeah. listeners, but we're now all stroking our beards and <laughs> pondering. Perhaps Galotto will get the Boca job at some stage. Whether he's going to yeah. get as, the next as one. As well, Palermo. Oh, Palermo. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And obviously, he's, he's right now, he's the manager who's, who's, who's impressing the most. Mm. But... I don't know if time-wise, I don't, I'm not sure it will work out, but who knows. Indeed. Um, Charles Reynolds asks, how much longer can Franco Di Santo keep making Sabella's squad for the national team? Especially with the Cardi knocking on the door like that. Yeah. I don't think Cardi and Scocco. And, yeah. yeah. Back in Scocco. Yeah, definitely. At, ahead of him. Oh, okay. that, that, that's yeah. cynical no no merely the fact that Skoko and his agent both said a couple of weeks ago when he was asked he, he's been asked on an almost daily basis uh, whether he's staying at Newell's or going to Europe or moving somewhere else in Argentina uh, at the end of this season and both of them a couple of weeks ago said that, um, that he, he was going to be probably urging more towards a move to Europe because that's what you needed in, ter- in terms of getting into the national team I guess from that well, point I had, of view, I had Scocco was going to speak to Sabella. From that point of view, I moved to Estudiantes to ask which. <laughs> but Scocco was going to ask Sabella, speak to him personally, and say, "Where am I going to have a better chance of impressing?" Yeah. So in terms of which offer that he'll mm. accept, Scocco was definitely going. Yeah. And I'd say though, for form and in terms, in terms of yeah. goals he's scoring and 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 just. In terms of his form, he's he's definitely above December. So I say for this squad that they've just announced, like obviously Academy's not there. Yeah, absolutely. And even if it's just for the fact of bringing him on for 15 minutes in one of the games, Mm. well, the other thing, making sure you've locked him down for for Argentina. Yeah, 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 sure. Just get him there. The other thing that Charles that that Charles asks is uh, linked to this question. Surely it's Lamela time. He says, "Eric Lamela's still not getting a call up." Yeah, still Um, in very good form for Roma. The problem is, where does he fit in in, in Argentina's current? Well, exactly. He'd be he'd kind be of a variant. He'd be a variant. He'd, he'd be competing with yeah, Di Maria or Messi, wouldn't he, for the left or right side of attacking role? Yeah, I could see him. I could see him come in for Di Maria if they want to play kind of a, like a more um, a tighter game, like a more passing game, rather than using Di Maria's kind of 
attributes which are his pace, his ability to get to the byline and so it'll yeah. be a decent variant. He'd be really good, I think, on that on the left side of that midfield three. Especially as Di Maria's suspended for this next game. You kinda of think, well, yes. that would be the chance. Yes. But also But then your there is, Sosa has got the chance now. Sure. Well absolutely. <laughs> but but with the, in this in these kind of positions. Well, Sosa though, or in these well, obviously Lamella. Yeah. Obviously. <laughs> but in these in these positions, attacking forwards, strikers, whatever, Argentina's always always have players who've been left out. Iguain wasn't called up for ages by Maradona. When yeah. and then he was scoring loads of goals for, for Madrid. And he, he wasn't called up for, for a long, long time. Everyone completely forgets about this now because he's completely installed and yeah. rightly so as as the number one, sort of number nine for the for the national side. But there's always this argument about oh, doesn't so and so deserve a, a call up? Lamella definitely does. And yeah. above, ahead of Sosa, absolutely. But the funny thing I found out today is um, I was down in Sosa today um, at Guayurquiza, which is a Primera División second, so in the fourth division. As you do. As, as you do. As, as you do. You know, Dan, when, when you finish telling us this, just tell us about the um, Ole comment that you sent us yesterday as well. Oh, but, yeah. but tell yeah. tell your story. As, as you do, you know, you spend a Tuesday down there, like you get the bus from from there. Fact. The faculty in uh, San Juan and and Irigoyen, and you go down there on an hour's trip, and basically, yeah, because I took a few guys down there who were going to train, and also there was a few trialists, and the coordinator of Dudley, of all the youth team basically turned around to the guys and said, "Look, none of you are bad players, but the situation we got now is um, in the sixth level, the sixth division, the youth team, say, say the sixteen-year-olds, fifteen-year-olds, mm. we've got twelve forwards." Yeah. Right. So this, you know, this is the thing that goes right for Argentine football. We're not talking about just a national team. Yeah. Everyone wants to be Messi. Everyone wants to be Tevez. Everybody wants to be a number nine or a number ten or a number seven. It, well, then you've got Maradona before, Camisha, yeah. like all the, you know, everyone wants to be a forward. Like we're talking about just one one team in the, in the fourth division or the fourth level of Argentine football. Yeah, twelve forwards in one of their youth divisions. That's really interesting, and that's going to be something. That, you know, I can't say for sure, but that's going to be something that's probably reflected across the whole system. Yeah, everyone. Yeah, you know, they're just pumping out, pumping out forwards, and no one, no one wants to play anywhere else. It's almost as if what we've been saying on Hundred Pod for the last two and a half years has been now brought to fruition in that comment by the manager. Possibly, that Argentina yeah. doesn't produce defenders because um, no, no one wants to play there. Well, this goes back to. Forgotten man because he's been injured, but Sanchez Minio at Boca, a really talented yeah. player. And I was talking to him, and I said, why doesn't he make the decision himself to say, I want to play left back? Yeah. Because that, if he did it, if he trained as well, he's been playing play more and more like number Yeah, eight. yeah, exactly. These are players that got, you know, the gap is there for them to come in and, yeah. you know, mm. Argentina, like, the weakness in that team, the central defence, you know, Fernandez and Garay, you can say, yeah. if they stay there, they keep working together there, they're going to get better. The weakness is that, is that fullback. And those two are quality players. Like they got to say, we want to play at fullback because that's where we're going to get into the national team. Yeah. But now, like, because they've got, you know, decent feet, they have got pace, they get pushed further and further up the field. Yeah, exactly. So they're going to end up, yeah, average, decent number eights and uh, and yeah, carrileros. And no, nobody's quite got the kind of lack of ego that say Javier Sanetti has to just say, I'll play where you want, and then to still be playing like a fifteen-year-old at the age of. How old is he? Well, 77? I think they've done the same, but it's because their attributes they get pushed up for the field. Mm. Like it comes from the coaches, not knowing. You know, if we play with okay. with a couple of decent fullbacks, then that makes us stronger and it'll make Argentina stronger. But it just doesn't seem to be that thing. It's like sure. you're good, you're strong, you run fast, and you got a good shot. 
right, you're playing up in up front or you're yeah. playing in the field. I guess there's less of a thing here as well. Say in Brazil, where the attack's always been based on, on going wide very much with flying fullbacks, as the cliche goes. Yeah, exactly. In Argentina, it's not the same kind of thing. It's more a patient build-up and spending lots of time on the yeah. ball and, and having the number 10 and the number 5 do everything for you. Anyway, we managed to go quite some way off the question there. Um, what was the question? Which was about Franco Di Santos' place oh, in, yeah. in the national team. <laughs> so, Charles, we hope that somewhere in all of that we managed to answer your question. But well, We have to talk about the national team a bit, I think. Yes, we will do it in, in a very short while. Uh, Ian James asks, if you have a thick double chin, is it possible to have a Kinder Surprise toy under it? <laughs> yes. So if it's, if it's as it. thick as, say, Julio Brandon's jowls or something, <laughs> possibly. Amazing. Uh, Tom Robinson has another question for us. He says, which Huracan FC London player, sorry, Hurricane FC London player, is most akin to Hugo Barrientos? Brilliant. Ah, great question. Have you had any broken jaws in training recently? <laughs> no, sorry, no we've nuts. got one. We've got one. Tough tapping midfielder, bit of a wise old head. Um, probably wouldn't like it if we had a defender who in the team. Uh, That's going to be my next question, actually. His name's Tim. He's 20, 28 years old he lives in Brixton and he's a web designer um, <laughs> but put him on a put him on a, uh, a muddy pitch on a Sunday morning and he will crunch you didn't you have a Portuguese guy that was well yeah, well, yeah I mean quite controversially I mean like he, he's yeah. I mean Barrientos um, looks like a level headed fairy to, compared to Claudio Suarez um, Claudio Suarez uh, Portuguese TA um, last seen somewhere in South London um, screaming at referees uh, we had to get rid I was told I was told the story of him um, before going to see one of the games in Clapham Common, and you know you kind of think, all right, fair enough, but this this this, this guy's being totally, this is just massively exaggerated. Uh, what's going on here? And um, fair enough, I saw him getting sent off, fighting with the referee. <laughs> yeah. yeah, within five minutes of coming on as a sub. Yeah, yeah. So my follow-up question is as well: Who's the Matias de Federico of the team? Um, ooh, it's got to be one. It's got to be one. What the this the sort of uh, the talented party boy who doesn't really you know turns up when he feels like it. The talented party boy and he's had his nose broken by this Portuguese. Yeah. <laughs> no, well, I mean in, in terms of like that that sort of the attitude of, yeah. of, of the front man who will stop when things aren't going his way. It's, that's Jamie Gardner. I mean, right. like a player that you want in your team, but you know it comes at a price. You know, stinky <laughs> attitude at times. Jamie, <laughs> Jamie listening, sort it out. Turns up hungover to, to train this. Sometimes, yeah, yeah. Like, oh, it doesn't matter to me, you know, like, yeah. the, team, the team will be fine. Like, oh, whatever, I'm the best player. The old, the old cliche of the 1940s Argentine footballer comes to mind there, where they, they used to say, if you've got one Argentine on your team, you have a very good team. If you've got two Argentines on your team, you have a great team. If you've got 11 Argentines on your team, you haven't got a team. Yeah, that would probably be very fair. much that kind of player. Yeah. Um, Billy Morrison asks, Argentina oh, versus Billy. Venezuela is coming up, are you guys going to watch it? I'm not. You're not? No, I'm not. Are you... I'm, I understood, are you going to watch it as in... No, I think you need to be going to watch the game. Oh, yeah, I will watch it. Yes, it, it is our job, after all. Um, Sorry, misunderstood. He also asked for predictions. <laughs> Shut up! He also asked for predictions. They'll be coming up at the end of the podcast, Billy. Um, he... Um, <laughs> that's it. Those are all the questions that we've had. Joe, yes, sorry. Remind so, remind so the question was that was leaving because I saw this. I, I was in the museum just this week. So in Boca's museum, they have a, the Wall of Fame, and it's in order the debutants for um, for the club. Photograph of them. So we're talking '96, yeah. as Mr. Edwards said yeah, very correctly. Bear in mind, we're also talking. Didn't 
first break through at Boca. No, so no, but it's, but it's debut, 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 debut for the club. It's debut for the club. Yeah, yeah. Because, and this is very important for the playing question. Topically random. So I mentioned Henry's uh, interest. Mm-hmm. So, so obviously we think Henry, we think uh, Oragan or Hurricane, but also Fulham. Ooh. Oh, Saba. Facundo Saba. Wow. Which I was just flabbergasted. Yeah. I, I wouldn't have. I, I had no idea that Henry was a Fulham fan, so I would not have got that if he hadn't. So. Yeah, Fulham, Argentine football. But given the only one that yeah. that but the, the, he's at work, you know, Union as, as the coach, mm. and, and just sitting there, I was really surprised to see he's already moved into coaching, he's already bought in the second club. And he's going to save another one there, you know, from Palace. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. But, um, but I just didn't associate him with Boca at all. No, and of course it's true. He, you, yeah. associate, you associate him with Brasil, with Ignacia. And Fulham, of course. Fulham. Yeah. Yeah. And the Mars. Federal. Yeah. Yeah. Federal, where Federal. myself and an Australian Dan, just before Handapod started, met him uh, and were too terrified to ask him any questions because he was clearly in an absolutely foul mood. He was, he'd come back and was playing for them in, in that game and he wandered past us in the press section afterwards and we thought, we could go up and ask him, start asking him questions in English. And then we saw the look on his face and thought, no, we're not going to. <laughs> my, um, my, my friend and your friend Joel, Ariel, and your friend Dan, uh, was uh, we were he was going to track down for Kunde Salva for me so we could go and have a beer together because Union were, were in town at the um, at the start of the weekend. Yeah. But we um, we didn't I wasn't here in time to do it. Oh, fair I would like to catch up with him for a beer. <laughs> he's, he's going places. Yeah, yeah. He's, he's a very good coach. So. Yeah, 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 definitely. Future wrestling coach. Definitely. Yeah, yeah, for sure. He has the unhappy habit of always picking pretty shit teams to manage. I think. I think that's definitely the reason he's. There's it's certainly a logic here. Yeah. Because the thing is, if he goes and takes over Racing like, now... Oh, he's going to be crucified. Yeah, absolutely. Well, what, does sure, get, yeah. what does he get from it? Nothing. Yeah. But he goes to a club where he learns, where he's got yeah. no money, he's got to learn the, the ropes. Yeah. No, I've realised that. Players I've realised that. And, and he's, he's going to learn a lot from it. But at the same time, yeah, as we've already mentioned, Barasecki, Lotto and Palermo, both doing very good jobs with clubs who've just got maybe that little bit more... Yeah, but the players are on another level, like... You know, they got their name. No, I, I, them. I see what you're saying. They've got a crew and a slightly more organised. Yeah. And, and you're right, slightly more stable. And those managers are very much the same kind of. I mean, well, not even no, the same. No, 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 no. Completely. Savage, I mean, he's, he's, got, he's got a psychology degree. I mean, he's, he's, he's studied. I interviewed him a, a couple of years ago, and he's, he's always doing courses. He's learning, he's doing leadership yeah. courses, management courses, sociology. I mean, he's, you know. Completely different to uh, yeah. to Barcelona and, and Palermo, who are because of what they won in Argentine football, mm. just have a completely different aura about them than, than Facundo Sava does. So. Okay. So. That being I'm, 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 points, I'm so. part of the Sava yeah. uh, fan club. Yeah, I'm, I am too. If you are listening, very good. Come back to Fulham uh, in about 2016 uh, when <laughs> Martin have left. We probably have had uh, an average manager team. We'll be in a relegation fight. And it will be your time to return and be the that, first manager with a mask to save the club. Mate, given like Pochettino, I mean, this weekend mm. uh, Southampton beat mm. Liverpool. Yeah. I mean, you know, it's opening the door. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, maybe. Yeah, yeah. yeah. South Fulham and yeah. Racing. Maybe yeah. now when, when we saw that his the next ten yeah, years of his that's career. His trajectory. <laughs> yeah. Perhaps with Pochettino going into and doing so well at Southampton in future, when people mention Argentine manager of Premier League clubs, people won't immediately think of Ozzy Aldilas playing seven people up front. Oh, but Ozzy, right? Like Ozzy, Ozzy. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I'm not. I'm not. I'm not denying that. You know, you, I'm merely saying that the among the average English fan, he has a reputation for, some would say, a certain amount of tactical naivety. That's all. I'm not saying it's deserved. I'm just saying it, it exists. 
Um, Henry's biting his tongue furiously. Go on, Henry. Unbites your tongue. Just don't say anything nasty about Ozzy. <laughs> he's a nice guy. He's a nice guy. I agree, guy. he seems like absolutely lovely, man. Yeah. When, um, one of my, when one of my friends came over here to study for six months, uh, he uh, went into the, the Argentine embassy in London where obviously he had to get his student mm-hmm. visa and all the rest of it to, uh, to be approved. And the man who stamped his visa looked incredibly like Ozzy Ardiles. And, and so he kind of went, Are you. No, no, sorry, it sounds too silly. And the guy went, no, go on, ask me. People ask me it all the time. And he goes, you related to Ozzy Ardiles at all? He goes, yes, I'm his brother. And he takes out this picture of him. And <laughs> brilliant, brilliant. And so it's, it's not only Ozzy who now still lives in London and yeah. has gone into English culture, his brother is there working for the Argentine That's embassy, giving people visas as well. There's very bizarre. few people like this in, certainly in Argentine football, and then you cannot find anyone who will say anything against Ozzy Ardiles. No. Mm. And very few people in, in yeah. Argentine football. Nothing. He's just top class. Got, I've got, have got a lovely anecdote about Ozzy Ardiles. Um, so when I came back from the um, from our last from Hurricane FC's trip to Argentina in 2011, uh, I got contacted by the Hurricane vice president um, saying, "Henry, Henry, you're you're in touch with Ozzy Ardiles. You, you've met him recently." Can you please um, give me his number so we can offer him a manager's job? <laughs> so, so for, for about twenty minutes, I was Ozzy Ardiles' agent as I rang, uh, I rang his son, and uh, and said, "Is it okay if I give uh, your number to the president of Oregon because they want to offer him the job?" And he's like, "Yeah, that's fine. You can do that." So quickly got on the phone back to Argentina and said, "Yeah, that's fine." And after a day of um, of negotiation, sadly, he didn't take the job. Otherwise, I reckon I could have been on like page seventeen. He's coaching well, somewhere now, right? He was, no, in, he, was, he was in Japan. Back yeah. home now. Yeah, back home. Back home now. Home for him, obviously, being London. Hertfordshire. Um, but right. but Fed is his son, just says apparently they call him all the time. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. the job. Yeah, he also got offered it just before job as well. Yeah. It's pretty much it's like. It's basically, Elder is like, hang on, who should we call? Like, Kappa? Yeah. Or Adidas. <laughs> Kappa, Adidas, yeah. Yeah, yeah. But exactly, you're completely right. Easy, <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> yeah. Completely right. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, there was something else. Oh, sorry, that, that was it. If you are a Tottenham fan or indeed just a general Aussie Adidas fan, uh, there is a book out at the moment. And if you read, I think it's going to be in the next issue of When Saturday Comes, you will be able to read my review of said book. It's purportedly about Alejandro Sabella's move to Sheffield United, but it actually deals almost as much with uh, Adidas and Misha's move to, to Tottenham uh, for reasons that will become apparent if you read the book, if you don't already know those reasons. And now, there is no Mystic Sound this week. Uh, or no, no formal Mystic Summer. So, but I'm going to play Mystic Summer. Can we ask quickly just your strike rate from last week? This is yeah. what we have to do, right? Okay, let me see. Uh, the people to... need to know whether yeah, you yeah. trust your opinions. This is pretty, I will now, pretty important. I will now cut a, few, a, a couple of minutes while I bring up my predictions from last week <laughs> on the email attachments. And I'm going to change the predictions to. <laughs> yeah, totally. Uh, I will be. We've just been. I'm having to cut an absolutely fascinating uh, <laughs> conversation oh, about the, the current situation of, of Huracan. Uh, not Huracan London, but Huracan de, de Buenos Aires. Um, and I've had to cut it, but. Mm, maybe in 20 years' time, you'll hear it. Yeah, well, maybe maybe in a week or two, if Henry lets us release it. It was a special edition, <laughs> and maybe five maybe, minute long. Well, maybe you'll hear snippets of it on the news when, when I make that speech. Absolutely. Those yeah. people. <laughs> but anyway, sorry, my, having, having uh, totted it up, my suspicion earlier that I was calling all of the wrong draws turns out to be true. I got four out of ten last week. 
Brilliant. Even having called something like seven draws out of ten, uh, and yeah. there actually being six of them. Um, Fantastic. I still managed to, to balls it up. But anyway, <laughs> this is where we, we move on to. As we say, there's, there's no Mystic Sam um, this week, but we are going to have, first of all, all four of our predictions for Argentina-Venezuela and also for Bolivia-Argentina, which we've barely talked about, actually, so we might do a little bit of talking about that as well afterwards. Um, and then we're going to have all of my predictions for all of the South American World Cup qualifiers, which I'm going to be making up off the top of my head. So, here's Mystic Sam's theme tune. I'll take through this, Sam, just be quiet. Here's Mystic Sam's theme tune, and right afterwards we'll, we'll give you our predictions. Um, so first of all, guys, predictions for Argentina-Venezuela. We're going to try and predict exact scorelines for all of this. Uh, English down, go. I'm going to go for 2 0 to Argentina against Venezuela. And in La Paz, it's going to be 1 0. Okay. Joe? I'm 2 0 at home to Venezuela and 2 1 win in La Paz. So, so far, Dan's gone for a five goal swing compared with Argentina's last game in La Paz. And Joel's gone for a six goal swing, Henry? Um, a 3 0 win in, in Argentina, but the real winner will be socialism. Um, uh, in La Paz uh, a 1-0 win Another for Argentina and I'm going to go for 3-1 uh, against Venezuela for Argentina and 2-2 two, two, uh, way to Bolivia what, what do we win if we get these right? nothing at all no. Okay. Love the love and respect of Hundred Pods listeners okay. because they don't already love and respect us. But, no. um, if they don't even send questions, though. and for the rest of the qualifiers, here we go. First of all, Friday afternoon slash evenings matches. As I'm crunching my knuckles, I was expecting them to crack, and they didn't. So you can <laughs> <laughs> um, we can have the effect there, in like there are some yeah. effects for that. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, sure. uh, we're going for Colombia to win at home to Bolivia. Don't think that's that controversial. Uh, Uruguay versus Paraguay to be a draw. I think the listeners want scores, really. No, I the listeners aren't getting no. scores apart from the Argentina games. Um, Argentina versus Venezuela, we've already predicted, and Peru versus Chile. I think it's going to be a ooh, blimey, a, a, a classic. San Paoli's first game. Classic de los Andes. Uh, I'm going to go for the win for Chile. Oof. Not at all uh, comfortable with that, but anyway. Okay, and then on... Is it tu- it's next Tuesday? Well, Tuesday. Next, next episode of Panda Pod is going to be recorded on Wednesday because the match is going to be taking place on Tuesday. So Ecuador-Paraguay to finish in a win for Ecuador. Uh, Bolivia-Argentina, I've already predicted a, a high-scoring draw. Venezuela versus Colombia. Ooh, that's going to be interesting. I'm going to predict a draw. Is that with the Chavez factor, like... Uh, no, it's with the fact that, that Venezuela are not a bad side anymore, as, as we're going to get onto in a second. And Chile versus Uruguay, win for Chile. Um, these predictions affected, it, affected in a very big way by the fact that neither Paraguay nor Uruguay are doing anywhere near as well as they did in the last qualifiers or in the last Now, Uruguay America. have been the biggest disappointment so far. Yeah, yeah. Really, Absolutely. Really disappointing. Um, but now, guys, it's, we should at least talk about the fact that um, Argentina are playing Venezuela on Friday and are playing Bolivia next Tuesday. Um, Sergio Aguero has been ruled out by injury. 
for both games. Angel Di Maria has been ruled out of the uh, Venezuela game uh, with suspension. So we're probably looking at Sosa coming in for Di Maria and Lavezzi for Aguero. The one who was playing in training today Which all the press are saying Is going to be that Montisho comes in for Aguero And yeah. um, Lavezzi comes in for Di Maria So it's going to be Lavezzi ah, on the left ah, And Montisho yeah, kind of in work. the middle Slash towards the right yeah. Swapping with Messi um, But how, how do you think this is going to uh, Who's going to be there? I'm going to be at Argentina Venezuela Joel, are you going? No uh, Henry, Henry's actually Gone off. I seem to go to the toilet. I will um, watch it. Though, next week, next week's guest is also going to be at Argentina Venezuela. Who's uh, this guest? Uh, Mr. Schweibler. Oh, he, he confirmed that this morning. Yeah. Well, I, I, he was at the plaza welcoming the new pope. I knew. Ah, really? Sorry. Okay. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Well, in that case, we can we can say it. Uh, Daniel Schweibler, um, who, for those of you who are really into your kind of cult Argentine football blocks, you will know as indeed, yeah. Uh, you'll know as, as the author of Hand of Dan and Argentinos Juniors fans English Wait, language. He, he was blog. first hand of called Hand of Dan. He was Hand of Dan by several yeah. years. Oh. Um, he's been there since about two thousand and six. We have two dads. He, he told me this morning actually that he, he first came here in mid eighties, mm. and, and we, we were talking about accents yeah, yeah. and everything. Yeah. Like, oh, how's your accent? What, what do you say when people ask you where you're from and all that kind of stuff? And he said in the mid eighties he had to be really careful. So. Well, oh, was, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It was pretty, uh, pretty. Sorry. Anyway, he'll be on next week, and both <laughs> him and I will be at the stadium uh, watching Lionel Messi, which is as important as it gets, really. Well, um, you want to do on that? On precisely, Friday, yeah. And, and I'll be earning two months rent from it as well, which there, there are far worse jobs to have than that, really. Um, but Argentina, Venezuela. How do we see it going, guys? Venezuela. The, the quote that's been going around the press an awful lot today, especially in the headlines. There's been, I think it's Fernando Gago and, and Di Maria or something have both been saying Venezuela aren't the same Venezuela that we had to play like 10 years ago. Uh, no. They've improved a lot. The no, last four years ago or six years ago. Precisely, yeah. The, the last meeting between the sides was in, was it Puerto Aldas? Puerto La Cruz. Puerto La Cruz, thank you. Puerto Aldas is in Chile. And Colombia, isn't it? From Amor Vieta, if I remember right. Indeed it was, yeah. Who I think is. No, he's not suspended. That's, that's the no, other he's got Rondos out with injury. And Amor Abrieta's not, not playing the cause, Joe. Um, because he won't be available to play. Okay. <laughs> this, is the kind of, this is the in depth journalism that you expect from, from <laughs> I don't I don't remember but, if he's suspended or he's injured, but, he, but he's, he's out. Sure. Um, that's the bottom line. But uh, that was the first time, that, that was the 18th, I think, 18th time that Argentina and Venezuela have met. And it was the first time ever that Argentina had not won. Uh, it wasn't even like Venezuela had managed a couple of draws. It was the first time that Argentina had played Venezuela and not won. So this is going to be a very interesting match. Yeah, um, I mean, we've seen Venezuela and I, we're all watching uh, the Copa America very closely and they're a team completely in the ascendancy. Like, mm. You can say a lot was due to um, our fallen comrade Chavez, who you know, really did put a lot... Um, I'm saying whatever you think of him as, as a leader or a president... Like, he really did grab Venezuelan football by the balls and say, like, right, yeah, we're, totally. we're going to make yeah. this, I, we're I, gonna I, make I should, better, we're going to... I'm going to have really a little bit this. of guilt there, by the way. The reason that Dan just sort of halted himself, as the listeners will hear it, is that I smoked a little bit when he said that, but you're quite right. Yeah. yeah. No, no, no. Um, Chavez, the Chavez government was really important in, in Venezuela winning the 2007 Copa America, yeah, yeah. I suppose. So I see, yeah. And also the, the, the world structure. Youth World Cup as well, though, the first... It, yeah, uh, yeah, and, it, yeah. yeah. And no, absolutely. I think it's yeah. an excellent point that it, it, you can't, no, you can't say, you separate you Venezuela's recent no. football um, improvement and, mm. and the Chavez government. No, completely. And, and also with um, you know a lot of credit to the coach as well, Farias. Yeah. Yeah. 
probably Latin American Mourinho. Do you like that? That's what everyone says. Right? <laughs> he's got that look. He's, he's got, got that look. Like, yeah, he's definitely no, got that look. He's got the swagger about yeah, him as well. Yeah, he's got the swagger. He's not afraid to, uh, to get in there. To a youthful good looks. And, yeah. Yeah. Um, no, they got you know really strong team. One thing I, I think is we've already mentioned that Amor is not going to be involved for reasons unknown. <laughs> uh, the, the other thing, of course, is that Osvaldo Biscarondo, the Lanús centre back, and also uh, Amor Arrieta's, uh kind of partner in Venezuela's central defence, is injured uh, for this match. He's out for three weeks. So Venezuela are effectively going to be playing with two second choice centre backs mm. against. Okay, not against Di Maria or Aguero, but yes, against. Messi, Iguain, Ezequiel Lavezzi. This is beginning to look a little bit like the kind of consolation prize he didn't really want. Well, thing is, you know, Argentina are expected to win and they should win. Let's let's not get away from that. You know, we can say Venezuela have improved massively, which is completely true. But this is a game that Argentina should be winning at home. You know, just hmm. you know, you can say that about pretty much any Boca qualifier. They Lefana Monumental. They, they yeah, should be winning. Sure. But it'll be tight as much as. It'll, as yeah, it'll be tight. It'll be interesting. The, the first goal is going to be absolutely key, you know. The fact that everyone's expecting a, a much tighter game and we're not all sort of saying four now. Yeah, not necessarily five or six. Just, yeah. just as everything's about to happen. Yeah. Especially, um, you know, you can see that that happened even against, say, say Chile or Uruguay, because, you know, you put one goal past these teams and they kind of lose their shape a bit and they start to chase it, and that's where Argentina really kill you. That's not what Venezuela are going to do. Argentina score one goal and they're going to play exactly the same they're going to keep pressing keep playing solid keep playing tight at the back mm. and you know try and nick a goal from where it comes from so it's not going to be an easy game by any chance any any stretch of imagination but um, what does the president of Hurricane FC Bogota and Hurricane FC London think of this the guy who's yeah. um, Argentina currently it, yes and particularly with reference to these next two qualifiers um, things seem to be going pretty well on the side of um, <laughs> Typical English understatement. <laughs> no, no, so, so, what's, what's the deal in Colombia, man? I mean, surely there's it's, it's yeah. real excitement. Yeah, let's talk about Colombia. Peckerman's managing them, so we have an so Argentine in charge. So we have an excuse well, to mention them. Yeah, I've, I've been living in Colombia for the last six months, and they are really excited. Because uh, Peckerman's not only got them winning, but playing really well. They've, I mean, they have. They've, they realise they've got they've they've got the golden generation. They've got the, the best players they've had for a while, and yeah, hopes too high. I mean, like, I think enough, two yeah. decades. We've, we've had the pod have been around in, in 1993. They've been talking about very much the same thing. Yeah, they're pretty much already. I think they're, they're already much like the the, the Colombian public already think they're in Brazil, which I guess is a bit dangerous. But they pretty much are. I mean, they're, they're yeah, by a disaster, yeah, by, a disaster yeah. by an absolute disaster, which shouldn't happen because they it's Colombia. They're capable of disaster. Yeah, but um, now everyone's pretty excited. Everyone, 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 people were dubious about Peckerman at the start, but really, yeah, I think so. I got, yeah. I got the feeling that there wasn't like 100% support for him, even until they start, even until they won their the qualifiers in in October when they beat they beat Venezuela and Bolivia. I think was that more of him being you know, yeah, being a foreign an coach, yeah. being an Argentine, yeah, rather than his track record, yeah, yeah, more yeah. being an outsider. Okay. And um, no, they're loving it. Good. And they, they've got plus yeah. the under twenty success, which is yeah. fantastic. Yeah. They've got a home game against Bolivia, haven't they? Yeah, they got win yeah. that comfortably. Straightforward. Um, the the other match, of course, next Tuesday, uh, Argentina are away to Bolivia. The last time that Argentina were away to Bolivia, Diego Maradona was in charge of the national side, and they equalled their heaviest ever defeat. Uh, they've lost six one. 
twice in their history. Once was in the 1958 World Cup against Czechoslovakia, and the other was in uh, 2009 in the 2010 World Cup qualifiers against Both the Bolivia. Both are called Carrizo. That's right. <laughs> I'm, I'm pretty sure. Amadeo and Juan Pablo. I must have known that, but I certainly forgot about it. You know, that's very impressive. Pretty, pretty obvious. Um, that won't happen again. Well, Argentina did beat Uruguay 4-1 yeah. in the last home game. But as we've already said, Uruguay a big disappointment. Of this, this, uh, as Argentina arguably was the big disappointment of last, uh, the last World Cup qualifiers when they ended up qualifying. Um, Argentina do have one major advantage compared with the last time they played away in La Paz, and that is that they've got Alejandro Sabella managing them this time, not Diego Plus, Maradona. they're a better team. It seems clearly a better thing. As I say, they've got Alejandro Sabella. <laughs> no, I'm, I'm saying with the players on the pitch and one that. Um, we haven't mentioned it, but uh, Leo Fonsio, the River Plate midfielder, has been oh, called yeah. up. And, and we should have mentioned it. Because we've been putting up with God knows how many tweets saying things like Poncio is Argentine, Sabella, Poncio is Argentine. We've been called up six and, months. And there's, apparently there's quite a chance that he'll play midfield. Um, to won't feature in the first game, obviously, here in, against Venezuela, but will play. Sure. Uh, we saved. In that sense, for for the game against Bolivia, the only player who's been confirmed for both matches is Leo Messi. Obviously, um, you'd have to assume that a couple of others are going to yeah. stand a fair good chance of playing in La Paz as well. Uh, but yes, yeah, it does seem to be saving at least some of them and you know, mm-hmm. a slightly different plan in La Paz, which I think makes sense. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, it's going to be interesting to see how, how both sides manage that. I mean, obviously Argentina more, but Bolivia. Fairly well used to playing in La Paz, so I've heard um, they do it quite often. It's funny how they never move their home games to Santa Cruz de la Sierra, isn't it? Uh, that one's going to be played at 1600 next Tuesday, 1600 local time, which, if you're listening in the UK, is uh, 7 pm, and if you're listening in the United States, is 2 pm Eastern Seaboard time. Um, and that's about all the preview we can give you of it, I think, unless anybody's got anything to add. No, I think that's pretty, pretty close. Is Aguero going to be much of a miss for these two games? Yes. Yeah, he's a big part of how Argentina play, though. The way they, you know, the three combined up front, Aguero, yeah. Messi, Wayne, it's completely like, so important to, to what they do up front. La Messi, I guess, is a similar style of player in many ways, but he's, he's just not, he's not, he's not he's quite at the same level. And he's, Aguero yeah. is another, another step up. And he's not quite as used, having not been. Yeah. Training, let's say, in the starters at the national team, yeah. uh, quite as much. He's not quite as used to the length. But he could be surprised. Like what I like, what I like to see about um, Levesi in this game is that against Venezuela, like a team that really, you know, presses, hits hard, like physical mm-hmm. team. Like he's got a bit more about him than Aguero in that sense. Like he's not afraid to to really kind of get in there. And he's like he's not a not a soft soft touch in the ball. Are you so suggesting that Sergio Aguero couldn't do it on a wet Wednesday evening in Stoke? Though? No, of course not. I would not I would not dream of saying that but for this game like, it might not turn out to be as big a, as big a miss as, as you might think sure uh, and Di Maria's suspension for Venezuela because I mean much as all of us I think in the past have uh, mocked Di Maria to a certain extent apart from anything else to be arguably the most one-footed world-class player since Maradona retired I guess um, are we expecting him to be much of a miss against Venezuela because he has been in Astonishing form for the, certainly so far this yeah, season. I mean, we're not and for Argentina. The last we didn't year, really. Yeah, I mean, it's not like we were really disputing that he deserved to be in the national squad prior to that. But this season, he's been absolutely brilliant throughout. That's true. Well, no, he'll be a he'll be a loss. Mourinho has been very important for Di Maria to improve his sort of tactical sense, and, and and as a result, Sabella 
pretty much puts Di Maria after Messi yeah. as the first name on, on the team sheet. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, it, it is a loss, but you said it's a good opportunity to try out other um, other players and other tactical systems because that's the reality that's going to happen. You get players injured, suspended, or whatever yeah. when it comes to 2014, yeah, which is obviously what. Yeah, and, and ironically as well, or, or perhaps fittingly, to, to give Di Maria a bit of a rest ahead of playing away to Bolivia. Because of course last time Argentina played away to Bolivia as well, it's completely embarrassing themselves, Di Maria was sent off. Uh, let's see whether we can better that. La, la revanche. Yeah, indeed. Um, on that note, I think we, we've been recording for a, a long time, but obviously Henry's presence, uh, as well as the, the previewing of not one but two World Cup qualifiers, gives us a good excuse to, to have a little bit more fun out than we normally do and, and to record Hannah Pocket slightly longer. Um, so we're going to say goodbye. Uh, enjoy the World Cup qualifiers if you're watching them and we will be back with you in eight days' time. We'll be uh, back in your ear holes. So, for now, it is goodbye from English Town. Goodbye and thanks for listening. Goodbye from Joel Richards. Goodbye. Goodbye from special guest Henry. Goodbye. Thank you very much for joining us. Thank you. And goodbye from me. Goodbye. Goodbye.